message this morning will be a little bit shorter than uh, usual uh, because right after the message, we will be uh, moving into a time where Rebecca Southerns will lead us through some vision questions, just uh, tapping into our hearts and our thoughts about uh, where we feel uh, God is leading our church and what you would like to express about that. So we look forward to that as well, very much. But uh, first of all, John chapter 1. We're uh, uh, just going to do this Sunday and next Sunday. Then the Sunday after that being the last Sunday of November will be our third prayer Sunday. So this Sunday and next Sunday, we're going to cover the second half of John chapter 1. Uh, and in the second half, two individuals meet Jesus for the first time. One of them is a fellow named Peter, Simon Peter, who's rather famous, but to this point, he's never met Jesus. And we'll, we'll just sort of study the little, the little uh, bit of passage there that describes that first meeting. Very important, very interesting. Things for us to learn as well. And then next week, we will study uh, another man, not nearly so well known as Peter. His name is Nathaniel. And uh, he meets Jesus for the first time. Uh, a very intriguing story about Nathaniel's experience at meeting Jesus. Again, things for us to learn from as we look at it uh, together. But uh, let's read uh, a little bit from John chapter 1. We'll start in verse 35. And we'll go down to verse 42. The next day... John, this is John the Baptist. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying and spent that day with him. It was about the 10th hour, which apparently would be probably four in the afternoon. Verse 40, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. So there's a, there's a brief story. Two disciples of John, Andrew was one of them we know, uh, were wa walking with John. John pointed out Jesus, described him as the Lamb of God, and Andrew and the other disciple followed Jesus. They wanted to know where he was staying, indicated this was more than a passing interest. They wanted to hang out with him and learn from him. So they went home with him wherever he was staying uh, at that time. And, uh, and then Andrew, so the, the focus is shifting to Andrew, the, the very next thing he does, maybe the next day, he goes and finds his brother uh, Simon Peter, and he makes an announcement to him. I want to focus this morning on two, two sentences or two statements in this little passage which we have read and just dig into them a little bit. We've been talking about the healthy church recently, and uh, one of the aspects, another aspect I'm going to tack on here to the healthy church is the healthy church uh, invites other people to Jesus. They invite their friends, they invite their relatives. They're very passionate about this. They have met someone 
who is absolutely life-changing and amazing and is the savior of the world. And they're reaching out to their friends and inviting those friends or their brother Peter to meet Jesus. And this is a very important aspect of the mission, central to the mission of the church on this earth. So let's just investigate one of those encounters where, uh, where Peter comes to meet Jesus. The first sentence or statement that I want us to look at and think about this morning, did you bring your thinking caps this morning? Um, <coughs> we're going we're gonna to ask a couple of questions here. Uh, just about the, the process of bringing people to Jesus, uh, which we are all called to do. I know we're not all evangelists, but we all know Jesus and we are his witnesses. And uh, so there's something important here. Andrew is such a great example. Just went and found his brother and said something. So the first thing that Andrew said to Peter was, and uh, this is in verse 41, he says, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. John adds, that is the Christ. The Messiah in those days was to every good Jewish person, the ultimate. They'd been waiting for hundreds and hundreds of years for the promised Messiah. The Messiah was going to come and be their king. He was going to be the anointed one. He was going to be the ultimate king. He would be the savior. He was, he was promised by God, and there were many passages and phrases and things said in the Old Testament about the coming anointed one, and they were all looking forward to him coming and finally leading their nation. And the idea of the Messiah was all the more important during the, these days of John chapter 1 because the Romans were uh, ruling Israel. They were an occupying enemy force. And they longed, the Jewish people longed for a Messiah who would overthrow the Roman Empire and, and lead their own nation back to glory again. So when Andrew comes to Peter, who apparently was just a good Jewish guy who was a fisherman, and said, we have found the Messiah, Peter was all ears. Really? Really? Andrew, you're, you're, you're pulling my leg. No, I'm not, Peter. <clears throat> so let's fast forward 2,000 years to today. You have a friend, maybe you have a brother named Peter, and you've met Jesus, and you come to your friend and you say, we have found the Messiah. That's going to go over like a lead balloon. What's a Messiah? Peter knew what a Messiah was, but our colleagues and our friends and our family members do not know. They have no clue, most people, what Messiah means, or Christ. Messiah and Christ are the same word. Messiah is the Jewish version of the word. Christ is the, is the Greek version of the word. And so we're talking to people today, and we want to announce to them we have found the Messiah and yet, it's language that they can't connect with. So we have, to, we have to sort of think this through a little bit. How am I going to relate to my, my brother Peter and invite him to Jesus? But I, it's, it's, I'm probably quite limited in using that term, we have found the Messiah. Even though he is the Messiah, no question about it, we have to sort of make some steps here to get there. What the Messiah was to Peter was the most longed for thing in his life. As I said, every good Jewish person was. When you said Messiah, their ears would perk up and they would say, this is amazing. This is an amazing moment in history. Let's go and meet him. And, uh, and so what, uh, what, what today, so to, to Peter, that was good news, right? That was wonderful news that we have found the Messiah. Let's get going. But uh, what is wonderful news today in our culture? And this is, this is the question where we have to 
where we have to think hard. And this, this isn't necessarily easy to figure out either. And this morning, I don't have all the answers to that question, what is the good news to my neighbor this morning? Uh, but uh, it's worth thinking about because I think, I think there are answers. And, uh, and so, you know, what are, what are people longing for? What are people thinking about? What are people wanting out of life? Uh, that sort of thing. In Peter's day, it was the Messiah. That was the ultimate. But in our day, what are people longing for? And this is where we need to, to talk about. Now, I know there are small group people here in the room, and some of your small groups uh, discuss the sermon further on into the week. And this could be maybe a good discussion for you to try to think this through a little bit more about what is it that, could, that, that, that people in my life and in my friendships are, are longing for in life. What would catch the attention of my neighbors? be great to have a discussion with us here in the room, but we haven't time for that. People long for happiness. What do you want out of life? I just want to be happy. Um, a fairly shallow response, but real. I don't criticize it. People do want, I want to be happy, don't you? People want riches or wealth, to be independently wealthy, to be able to do whatever I want. Maybe that's not the best longing, but it is there, right? Uh, witness, witness the lottery phenomenon of our, of our age where everybody's buying tickets and just dreaming of that, of that massive windfall of money where they never have to work again. I could buy a yacht and sail the Greek island. Uh, you know, uh, uh, what, are, what are people longing for? A lot of people today care a lot about justice. They're longing for a just world. They really are. That's good. That's very good. A lot of people care about, about that. Tons of people care about the environment, of course. Now, that's a, a growing phenomenon in our world. But what are people longing for? What do they, what do they think is most important in life? And these are, these are good things for us to think about. Now, maybe some people are just longing for relationships that are meaningful and fulfilling and enriching in, and joyous in my life. Relationships. Or you, some people, I just want a sense of purpose for my life. Meaning purpose. I, go, I come home tired, I have supper, watch the news, fall asleep, go to bed, get up in the morning, have breakfast, drive to Toronto, work all day, come home, and, and they say, I just need more meaning in my life than, than that, that wheel that I run on like a hamster. So now we wonder, how can we approach people and say, as, I, as, I, as I'm describing Jesus, how can I say, we have found fill in the blank for them? You might have a friend who really cares about the justice issue, you know, the, the racism problem in our society, which we hear so much about. You know, the first thing we need to do is be a very attentive listener to our friends. Very thoughtful, prayerful, attentive listening. Before I open my big mouth, which I'm, maybe all of us are prone to do, I need to listen to my friend and listen to what they care about, and listen to what they talk about. And then there might be a certain point where I might say to my friend or my brother Peter, I've noticed that you really talk a lot about and care and think a lot about the subject of justice in society, or justice for the poor, or justice for people of other races. We can say, That's, I, I admire you for that. But somehow we want to bring in the fact that really, and, and we have to believe this in our hearts, I sure do, 
that Jesus is the ultimate source of true loving justice in this world, that uh, he is the ultimate uh, solution for the, the, the twisted racism in some of our hearts, in the, in the carelessness with which we treat other people, in the, the way we walk past the poor without, without assigning them any value whatsoever. Jesus is the ultimate one who would change those things in our society. So could we somehow, and this is for you to take all the, 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 the little words I'm saying this morning and take them and run with them, think about them, pray about them, and uh, talk about them to your, to your friend or your relative. I notice you care about justice. I commend you for that. Can I bounce a couple of things off you that I've experienced, and then I would like your feedback. Don't just preach at them. Bounce some ideas off them about what you've discovered in your faith. Invite their feedback. They may agree, they may not. Don't argue, but start the conversation. This is part of announcing to them some good news. That, that you, <coughs> your friend may go away and, and, and think that John there really believes this. That was an interesting discussion. I may or may not agree with everything John said, but it was a good talk. We will talk further. That perhaps you're on your way to announcing to them the full glory of Jesus Christ. It can be found in, in this created world, this planet that we care about and in many ways are ruining, in the justice thing, in, in meaning for life. You're searching for meaning in life. You could say, I've, I've discovered a few things. Let me bounce them off you. Tell me what you think about what I, what I share with you. And then don't talk too long, but just plant a few seeds that are going to start the conversation going about ultimate meaning that you have found in your life and it's not rooted in money or in being famous or all those other things that people pursue. So Andrew came to Peter and he gave him good news. Peter responded. The second phrase I'd like us to notice is the phrase, the very next line, verse 42, he brought him to Jesus. was easy for Andrew to do because Jesus was here in flesh and blood. He was a literal man, a person. I don't know how far away he was from Peter. Was it a kilometer? Was it a two-hour walk? I, I don't know. But he brought Peter to Jesus, right into the presence of the real flesh and blood Jesus, and Jesus took over from there. Right? He began to interact with Peter, and we'll see that in next week's story as well. If we can bring our friend to Jesus and hand him off, you might say, in, in a way, Jesus will begin to uh, reveal himself and interact with that person as we see in Peter's life or in your friend's life. So since Jesus is not here in flesh and blood in person today, how do we bring someone to Jesus today? Because we can't do it in a physical, geographical way. And that's the question we need to think through as well ourselves in our witness and in our, our care and in our desire for our friends to, to, to bring them to Jesus. I'd like to suggest three things. Small groups can discuss this further. But uh, it's not impossible. In fact, I think it's just as possible. <clears throat> the first thing that we can do to bring someone to Jesus is we can let them into our life. Just you. Bring them to you or bring yourself to them. But as you interact with that person, you are a person in whom the spirit of Jesus 
lives. That makes you special and different, not better, not more valuable than anyone else, but you have something going on in your life that is unique and very special. The spirit of Jesus Christ has moved into your life and has begun to change you. Are you perfect? No. But you're changed and changing. And so as you and your friend become closer, just through a real relationship, real conversations, doing real stuff together, have them over to your house, whatever it might be, uh, you go to their house, <coughs> they are beginning to encounter Jesus in you. I hope that that's good. It, it's supposed to be good. It's supposed to be very powerful, actually, uh, as, we, as we bring them to Jesus. What are they encountering as their friendship with me and my friendship with them grows? <coughs> may, by the help of God's good spirit living in me, may they encounter a loving and caring person, a generous person, the most non-racist, non-hateful, non-bigoted person they've ever met. Like, this guy's amazing, as Christ lives his life through me. May they encounter a gracious person and a forgiving person, etc. But what about when I blow it? What about when I mess up? What about when I say something that I shouldn't say? This is their chance to encounter in you a humble person who admits you blew it who admits I shouldn't have said that, and who understands why I shouldn't have said that or done that. And they can encounter an authentic Christian who isn't perfect, but who's different. Because he says, or she says, Jesus lives in them. <laughs> and so that's the first way that people can encounter Christ, or we can bring them to Christ, is that we can simply ourselves pursue an authentic relationship with them. The second way we can bring people to Christ is we can bring them into the presence of Christ's people. Not just you, but you and your Christ-following friends. That might mean bringing them to church. That's a pretty big step. It might mean just bringing them to your house and having a few friends over. You want to come over? We're going to barbecue some burgers and just hang out for the evening. And they encounter Christ's people in your home. That's fairly easy to do. No pressure. You don't have to preach. Just bring them into the presence of Christ and let him take over. Or they could come maybe to your Bible study. That would be a big, a big step for them as well. But what would they encounter? Here's the question. What would they, what will they encounter if they come into the midst of God's people? Well, they encounter something very different than they've encountered in other gatherings of people who are not necessarily Christians. I think the Bible says they should. They really should. They should encounter something in our, our words, our conversations, our actions, our attitudes as they listen in, as they listen to us talk, as they listen to us interact with one another, as they see what we're up to and what we value as a community. There's a great, there's a, a great verse in 1 Corinthians 14 where Paul is describing a, a non-Christian who comes into the church and he experiences the church exercising its gifts and just being the church. And Paul says that person will fall down on their knees and declare, surely God is among you. I love that. God is here. 
So we're, this is another way we can bring people to Christ. Christ dwells among his people. He dwells among us. What will that person encounter as they come here amongst us? Will they encounter warmth and care or just a bunch of people who are only interested in each other and not about a visitor in our midst? This is really important. The Apostle Paul uses a phrase in um, 2 Corinthians. It's called the fragrance of Christ. It's, it's a metaphor, but that when people are around God's people, they should smell something beautiful. It should be the fragrance of Christ. Living in, affecting everything about us as people. Thirdly, how can we bring people to Christ? The scriptures, the Bible, is full of the message of Christ. What a description of Jesus is found in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Or in the other letters that are describing the Christian life. <clears throat> and, uh, and so, sooner or later, your friend needs to be brought to the scriptures. Jesus said to the Pharisees on one occasion, he said, you search the scriptures. He said, these scriptures testify of me. The scriptures speak about Jesus. They describe him. And we can encounter Jesus by reading the Bible and reading the scriptures. Now, I'm not saying that you just take a big, heavy Bible and stuff it into the presence of your friend and say, here, go home and read this. See me in six months when you're done. Uh, not at all. <clears throat> maybe you and your friend, maybe, maybe. The Holy Spirit has to guide all of these scenarios. But maybe... Maybe you and your, your, your friend is open and you can say, we should read some of the Bible together. You're, you're detecting an interest in your friend and so let's read some scripture together and let them discover in the process or come to my Bible study group or coming to church with me, you know, and, and we'll just listen to what's going on. And as the Bible is being pre preached, they're encountering Christ in the scriptures. But that's a very, very important aspect of bringing people to Christ. I, I read recently the story of a, of a Jewish Christian, uh, and uh, he was part of an organization that reached out to Jewish people, and he was in New York City, and he was handing out Jewish, this, this literature about Jesus being the Messiah to, to the Jewish people there in that particular section of town, and they would understand what the word Messiah is. And, uh, and he had a confrontation with a, a hostile person, and, uh, and he challenged that hostile person to have the courage to look into your scriptures and see what they say and don't be afraid of what they say and what you might discover. Don't just hide in your Jewish heritage. And the guy went away mad. Ten years later, he was handing out this literature in Toronto this time. And he said he saw the same guy coming towards him down the sidewalk. But the guy recognized him. He burst into a smile. And he came up to him and he said, I haven't been able to stop thinking about your challenge, about reading the scriptures. I've been doing that. Very interesting. We need to talk, he said. That's where that story ended. I don't know how it turned out. But the scriptures can open our eyes in an amazing way to who Jesus is. Coupled with Jesus' people and their behaviors, it's a powerful witness. Okay, our time is done here this morning. We have found the Messiah. How do we interpret that into our culture and in our language for people today? He brought him to Jesus. How do we do that today? That's what I've asked you to be thinking about and praying about in your lives. Next week, Nathaniel, intriguing, mysterious story. 
we'll, uh, we'll dive into that next week. Lord, thank you for these moments just to look at your word and think about what's going on and apply it into our lives. Help us to take it forward from here. Guide us by your spirit, we pray. Amen. Let's stand. Let's sing. We'll close this portion with a hymn. Thank you.